Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Colt Sebastian Taylor. Hello everyone and welcome to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur Tetris player. And welcome to the Saturday Report where I bring you the news you may have missed the week before to tens of tens of people around the world, including the world's greatest grandmother, my loyal, probably only loyal listener. That's fine. I'm sure other people listen too. Anyways, welcome to the Saturday Report. Uh, you can find me on a variety of social media channels, including the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Counter Social at Colt S. Taylor. You can also find me on um, a Cameo at Colt S. Taylor. And of course, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast at anchor.fm slash Taylor, and for all other updates, go to ColtSebastianTaylor.com, including my weekly Wednesday D&D game that is broadcast on Twitch. It's lots of fun. My character gets punched a lot by other people. But, uh, alright, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, and I love this story, uh, someone finally, after 35 years... Beat Tetris, the game. Yes, Tetris, the game. They got to the point in the game where the game crashed because they got to the point that the programmer never thought anyone would get to, and the game sort of just crashed after that. And it was done by a 13-year-old named Willis Gibson from Oklahoma. is believed to be the first person ever to beat the original Nintendo version of Tetris on Nintendo, took him less than 40 minutes, pretty incredible stuff, he was filming himself doing it, and then when it crashed, he almost had like a panic attack of his excitement, because he knew that no one had ever, ever done that, he he, he reached level 157, which is the last level in Tetris, we know this because a computer AI system played the game and see how far it could get, and that was like the far as it could get, because there's just no level past that. Um, the game becomes um, unplayable, unplayable because of the limitations of the game's original programming, and it was is pretty amazing stuff. Uh, the president of um, Tetris, Tetris has its own um, company, and I'll get into that history in a little bit, but the president of Tetris was also very, very, very impressed. Uh, according to this young young gentleman, he said, quote, what happens is you get so far that the programmers that made the game, they never expect you to make it that far, and the game starts breaking down, eventually it just stops. Um, and no one, no human person, has ever been able to do it um, up until this point. Up until this point. It's pretty impressive. In fact, he, in fact, he got so many points. Um, the scoreboard on Tetris doesn't go above a million. Okay, it just stops at nine 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 nine. According to Gibson, his actual score was probably close to six point eight million. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Um, the uh, Gibson went to say. Uh, what drew me to Tetris was mainly its simplicity. It's easy to start playing and understand, but it's very difficult to master. He, uh, This uh, gentleman has been playing um, tournaments since 2021, 
in October of this last year, he was the youngest person to make it to the Classic Tetris Classic Tetris World Championship, where he placed third. And according to according to the Tetris company, over 520 million with an M million units uh, of Tetris have been sold worldwide, uh, making it one of the top selling games of the time. It was originally created by a Soviet software engineer during the USSR uh, in 1985 and is released by Nintendo four years later. Uh, the Soviet software engineer, engineer, and there's actually a movie behind this. I haven't seen it yet. I want to. Sounds pretty terrible. Sounds pretty, pretty amazing. Um, but the, um, the, the software maker of it, his name is Alexei Lenovich Pajicharov, uh, he wasn't allowed to collect any royalties from his game because it was the Soviet Union that they, they, they didn't do that sort of stuff. Uh, so he uh, licensed it out of the country to someone else, and they made a bunch of money, and he was happy people were enjoying it so much. Uh, after the Soviet Union fell, he moved to the United States, became a U.S. citizen. In 1996, he founded the Tetris Company with game designer Henrik Rogers, and then got the rights to the game back, and then finally, finally, almost 10 years after it was first released, uh, he started to collect royalties on the game. He It was massively successful before 1996. He collected nothing, no money. After that, he got the, got the rights back, formed a company, and now he's getting paid for this, what is widely believed the most successful game of all time. Pretty incredible stuff. I mean... Crazy, 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 crazy stuff. Um, he, uh, anyways, uh, you should definitely watch that movie. I'm, I'm gonna watch it soon. It looks like an amazing movie. But uh, this, uh, this 13 year old did an amazing job. Broke the game. No one has ever done it before. Um, he dedicated this record setting, uh, record setting win to his father, Adam Gibson, who unfortunately passed away last month. So, um, I mean, I remember growing up playing Tetris. I never got past level 9. This guy got to 157. That is crazy. Crazy. Very, very skilled. High hand-eye coordination. Broke the game. Broke the game. He broke the game. In fact, the game doesn't even... The game doesn't even go above level 18. Like, it breaks. It, parts of the game begin to break down. So, incredible stuff. Congratulations. Uh, congratulations to Willis Gibson of Oklahoma... The first person ever believed to have beaten the original Nintendo version of Tetris. Quite the achievement. We now go to the United Kingdom for another accomplishment where Royal Mail, which is the uh, post office of the United Kingdom, is releasing Spice Girl stamps to celebrate the 30th anniversary with a commemorative postage stamp collection. Uh, releasing uh, for the British group's 30th anniversary, showcasing... Uh, moments in the band's career. Uh, this is the first time the Royal Mail has dedicated an entire stamp issue to a female pop group, and only the sixth time it has recognized a musical group uh, with a dedicated stamp issue. Uh, the Beatles were in 2007, Pink Floyd in 2016, Queen in 2022, The Rolling Stones in 2022, uh, Queen was in 2020, Rolling Stones 2022, and Iron Maiden in 2023. The main set of 10 stamps features memorable images 
uh, of the group in individual live performances from 1997 to 2012, including the Spice Girls performing during the closing ceremony of the 2012 Olympic Games, Jerry Hall Halliwell performing at the Brit Awards of 1997, Victoria Beckham performing during the Return of Spice Girls tour at Madison Square Garden in 2008. Uh, the collection also includes a sheet of five stamps featuring individual images of the singers from the Spice World photo shoot. Uh, from um, a statement, quote, We are so excited to be celebrated by Royal Mail along some of the most iconic and influential music legends. Uh, the Spice Girls said in a statement, When we formed the Spice Girls, we could have dreamt that 30 years later, we'd be the first female group to be dedicated entire stamp collection. That's girl power. Uh, stamps are available for pre-order today, and they are available for release on January 11th for you stamp collectors out there. Fans can order a limited edition stamp books, framed collector sheets, and collectible envelopes along with the stamps themselves. Uh, the Spice Girls, made up of Beckham, Hollywell, Melanie Brown, Melanie uh, uh, Chisholm, and Emma Button, formed in 1994 and became the biggest girl group of all time, selling more than 100 million records worldwide. Their debut single, Wanna Be, dropped in 1996 and went on to release three hit albums in the 1997 film Spice World. The last time the group reunited was in a 2019 reunion tour that traveled throughout the United Kingdom with everyone except, of course, Victoria Beckham, because she's married to David Beckham and she's a little bit past the Spice Girls. But anyways, congratulations, congratulations to the Spice Girls. 30-year anniversary, Royal Mail stamp collection, only the sixth musical group to be featured on stamps from the Royal Mail. Pretty impressive. In other music news, Paramore, a very popular band, uh, dropped out of a headline slot at the LA Festival. Uh, the rock band pulled out of a headline performance at the forthcoming festival in Los Angeles. Uh, in an Instagram story on Thursday, the band said that, quote, due to unforeseen circumstances, unquote, they were unable to perform at the iHeart Radio Alter Ego Festival on January 13th. Uh, this comes after the trio took down all posts and all images from their social media accounts in December, and all content from their official website has also been removed. And, um... Yeah, it's a little a little strange what's going on there. Uh, organizers announced that the rock band Fallout, Fallout Boy, also good folks, uh, will replace them in the concert lineup. Uh, also appearing at that festival will be the Black Keys, 30 Seconds to Mars, Yellow Card, the 1975... Did I say Black Keys? I think Black Keys. Anyways, they're pretty good too. Um, there is a, a bit of uncertainty about what's going to be going on with this band. Uh, in an interview in December, the band said there was a, quote, level of uncertainty about the future as they had, quote, fulfilled all label obligations and were effectively free agents. Um, however, Williams, uh, Haley Williams, the front woman of the band, assured fans this did not mean the band were splitting up. It said, the only thing that matters is we still get to be each other's community. Um... But there are a lot of rumors that they are splitting up. Uh, on Twitter, one fan wrote, What's next? Paramore Spotify page goes blank and all songs are deleted. Um, however, others are saying not to worry. Someone else on Twitter said, quote, I, Am I the only person who isn't worried about Paramore right now? There are so many reasons that they might need to stop away from the show. Can we not jump immediately to Code Red for once, please? 
Um, others say it's actually pretty common for artists to clear out their social media accounts before a, quote, new era begins. Uh, and Paramore was likely to come back in a week or two with new band photos and maybe new branding and or logo. Uh, another possibility is that they were signed to book at a bigger festival and have a clause in their contract that they couldn't perform at any other ones. Also possible. So I guess we'll see what happens. Um, I'm not a, I, I don't follow their music closely, but I do enjoy listening to their music, so hopefully they will continue. Uh, they formed in 2004, were best known for hits including Misery Business, Ignorance, and The Only Exception. They released their sixth album, This Is Why, in February 2023, after a four-year break. Uh, speaking about the band's break, uh, Haley Williams told BBC One Radio at the time, quote, We all really needed, needed to find our identity apart from Paramore and all the public projection we get in our life. So, we'll see if they continue. Uh, their last uh, appearance was early, late fall in August, uh, but they had to cancel the final two dates of the tour after Williams became unwell with a lung infection. But uh, a lot of Paramore fans, a smidge worried about them, but uh, hopefully they are going to be coming sick of ground and putting out new information soon about their overall status. In other music and movie news, the Palm Springs Air National Film Festival's annual gala uh, recognized some of the year's finest achievements in cinema on Thursday and also saw some of their honorees uh, let down their guard and share some emotional tributes. Uh, Billy Irish and Finnis... Finnis, Finnis, I think, which, which is uh, her brother, became the first songwriters ever to receive the Chairman's Award for the Chop Topper What Was It Made For from the Barbie movie uh, before paying tribute to their parents, recalling their journey as aspiring actor. actors. Eilish got candid about the emotional song's personal meaning. Uh, she said during accepting the award, quote, anyone experiences hopelessness and the feeling of existential dread and feeling like, what is the point? We all feel that occasionally. I have really not wanted to be here. Sorry, dark damn. I've spent a lot of time feeling that way. I want to say to anyone that's feeling that way, be patient with yourself and know that it's all worth it. I think it's good to be alive. Uh, Barbie writer and director Geta Gerwin presented Eilish and her brother Finnis with a glass trophy after she herself accepted the Director of Year Award presented to her by stars Margot Robbie and America Fiera, who are also in that movie as well. Uh, Gerwig recalled that the first time she saw a movie in the theater, it was, quote, the, the Muppets Take Manhattan, and she ran towards the screen saying, I will spend the rest of my life running toward the screen to get in it. Um, it was also an emotional night for Paul Giamatti, star of The Holdovers, who received an Icon Award from his Sideways co-star Sandra Oh, uh, paying tribute to his late mother who passed away in 2004 and his older sister who died before uh, the opening of his latest film. Quote, I never thought of myself as an icon. Um, I've played some weird, difficult guys, and sometimes it's hard to get inside their heads. Uh, Giamatti also remembered his first acting teacher, Alan Rickman, uh, saying, no one had ever encouraged me before that. Which I didn't know. I didn't know that uh, Alan Rickman was uh, one of his acting teachers. That's great. Um, other other winners include um, Carrie Mulligan, international star actress, uh, Killian Murphy, 
um, for the Desert Palm Achievement Award, Coleman Domingo for the Spotlight Award Actor, uh, Daniel Brooks, Spotlight Award Actress, uh, Randolph, Breakthrough Performance Award, Emma Stone for the Desert Palm Achievement Award, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe, uh, and Gerwig. Oh, no, that was presented. Emma Stone was presented by Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Um, Gerwig, presented for Director of the Year, Jeffrey Wright, a Career Achievement Award, um, um, uh, Giamani, uh, um, who else here, who else here? Uh, and, uh, okay, yeah, great. So I think, uh, oh, Lily Gladstone Vanguard, Vanguard Award. So, uh, the festival runs from now until January 15th. Lots of good films there. Lots of, lots of very deserving folks there getting awards. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the Barbie movie. It's weird. It's weird. But there are, it's, it's I still think it's a good movie. Made a ton of money. Ton of money. It made a ton of money. And uh, so much money that even Fox News folks who were saying that it's a woke movie that will it will be a woke movie that will never make any money are now saying it's 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 their favorite movie too. So it is that powerful. Very good movie. Very good movie. So, uh, but anyways, congratulations to all the award winners, Bill Irish and everyone else uh, at the Palm Springs International Film Festival Gala thing. We now go to New Zealand, one of my favorite places I haven't visited yet. Home of one of my good friends. Uh, a fisherman was saved after being saved by the reflection of his watch. After floating in an ocean for 24 hours. Now, if you're listening to me here in the United States of America, boy, that sounds cold. New Zealand is in the south southern hemisphere. It's very warm right now. But anyways, um... Uh, police are saying it is an absolute miracle that fishermen were able, others were able to get him. Um, he was stuck in the ocean for 24 hours, uh, and a shark apparently came to give him a sniff, but no, there was no biting. Now, he's a fisherman. He was in a boat off the coast of nor north, of the North Island of New Zealand on Tuesday, trying to reel in a marlin, uh, but was pulled out of his boat by the fish. And he was unable to catch up with the boat that was idling as it meandered further and further out of reach. So he decided he would try to swim to the Alderman Islands, which is about 35 miles north of the North Island's east coast. It, it, I, he wasn't 35 miles away, but he was closer to that island than he was New Zealand. However, strong currents thwarted his plan, and the man endured a cold night in the ocean, too exhausted to keep swimming, um, but, uh, and it's all a shark, but shark did not, um, did not take a bite. He spent 23 hours in the water, and then three eagle-eyed fishermen noticed an unusual reflection in the distance. Uh, they investigated, and they, uh, found the man desperately trying to get their attention using the reflection of the sun on his watch. They pulled him out of the water, and Hamilton added that they, uh, that they too... Uh, they were going to take him to shore to an ambulance crew that was waiting. According to authorities, the man was hypothermic and exhausted when he was returned to land. Um, Hamilton, which was, the I think, the police chief in the area, said, The Bodies did an absolute stellar job and without a doubt saved this man's life. Without the quick actions of these three gentlemen that retrieved him, this certainly would have had a tragic outcome. Uh, Max White, who skippered the rescue boot, told New Zealand's News Hub, 
uh, news service that it was definitely an experience he won't forget. He had that that one that could have gotten away, but I'm glad it's got a happy ending. Um, in the note to the police, Hamilton said the man said he wanted to go on record to thank Mike, Tyler, and James for rescuing him along with emergency services involved. It was an absolute miracle the fisherman is still alive after the ordeal. Uh, police are still looking for the boat that is floating somewhere off of New Zealand. Because <laughs> they got to find it. They can't just like, let a boat out there in shipping lanes. Uh, the police said, quote, the boat may be missing, but the fisherman still has his watch. So, whew, the, name, the guy's unnamed. Probably won't want to be named. Um, I mean, hey, that... That's, that's a Hallmark movie blockbuster right there, you know? A, a happy ending of a man falling into the ocean, or Marlin, shark almost comes and gets him. You know, that's an hour movie. That's a 90-minute that's movie right there, I think. But anyways, tragedy averted off the coast of the North Island of New Zealand. That's why I don't go fishing, especially on the ocean. You never know what might happen. Moving along, we now go to North and South Korea, Korea, where this week North Korea fired over 200 artillery shells into the sea near a pair of South Korean islands uh, Friday morning, according to the South Korean military, prompting evacuation orders from local officials. Uh, North Korea fired these rounds between 9 and 11 a.m. into waters north of Bengayong and Yongpyong Islands in the OC, according to Joint Chiefs of Staff spokesman Colonel Lee Sung-jun during a press conference. Uh, he said, quote, There is no resulting damage to our people or military, and the point of impact was the area north of the NLL, referring to the Northern Limit Line, which is the de facto maritime border between the two Koreas. Uh, military ordered civilians on the island to evacuate to emergency shelters, according to a news agency. Now, the island of Yan Pyong uh, was shelled over 10 years ago in 2010, killing two civilians and two Marines and injuring 18, under, 18 others during a boundary dispute and a joint U.S.-South Korean military exercises in the area. Uh, as a result, South Korean fired artillery back into North Korea, reportedly destroying several artillery pieces. Uh, tensions currently are the highest point in years on the North Korean peninsula, with uh, North Korea conducting missile and weapon tests at a record pace, a record pace since 2022. In November, um, North Korea withdrew from a 2018 inter-Korean military pact meant to reduce tensions in the border area after launching, reportedly, its first military spy satellite. Uh, according to the spokesman, quote, We sternly warn that North Korea is solely responsible for escalating crisis and strongly urge it to stop immediately. Our military is tracking and monitoring related trends in close cooperation with the United States and will take appropriate measures in response to North Korea. Uh, South Korean Marines on the island held live fire drill response on, Fridays after, on Friday afternoon in response. Uh, according to Defense Minister Shin Wok-shik, uh, said in a statement, said in a statement to sent to reporters, quote, North Korea's resumption of artillery fire within the no hostility zone this morning after unilaterally declaring the complete withdrawal of the 2018 military agreement is a provocative par act that threatens peace on the Korean peninsula and heightens tensions. So things are still 
a wee bit spicy in the Koreas. Uh, early on Friday, North Korean state media reported that Kim Jong-un, uh, in a visit to a missile launcher factory, said he ordered increased preparations for a military showdown with the enemy, which he basically says practically every other week. So, friends, uh, I maybe maybe a visit to the DMZ tourism. Eh, you might want to put that off for a bit. Seems seems things are a little bit spicy in the Koreas currently, and you know maybe just visit the southern part of South Korea. Don't get too close to the border. We now go to sports news, where the Orlando Magic has announced they will retire number 32 Shaquille O'Neal's jersey on uh, Tuesday, February 13th in a ceremony that will take place at the Kia Center after the Magic's mash, uh, matchup against the Oklahoma City Thunder. Shaquille O'Neal, one of the great all-time basketball players, began his career in the Orlando Magic. And uh, fun fact, fun fact, uh, this is the first jersey the Orlando Magic has ever retired. Jersey number. Never has retired the number before. They're one of the few teams that have never done it. and But they're doing it for Shaquille O'Neal uh, for this ceremony. He'll be the first, uh, the first Orlando Magic jersey number ever to be retired in the organization. Uh, Shaquille O'Neal was the first pick in the 1992 NBA draft and uh, helped the team find its footing after it was founded in 1989. Uh, Orlando Magic CEO Alex Martin said in a statement, quote, When someone asks who's the first player to officially put the Orlando Magic on the map, the answer is simple, Shaquille O'Neal. He took this franchise to new heights, both on and off the court, and his legacy is still felt within our organization today. On behalf of the DeVos family, we are excited to honor Shaquille by raising number 32 into the rafters of the Kia Center, where it will remain forever. Uh, more fun facts about Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal um, made a statement early by winning Rookie of the Year, averaging 23.4 points and 13.9 rebounds in his first uh, season of play. He led the Magic to the NBA Finals in 1995. He posted four All-Star seasons before joining the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, in the 1996 and 1997 season, uh, while O'Neal's longest stint with any team came in Los Angeles, he remained a generous and influential figure in Orlando after his departure. Uh, according to Magic Chairman Dan DeVos, uh, quote, through his dominating play, a larger-than-life personality and generous contributions to the city, beautiful, Shaquille O'Neal has transfor had a transformable transformational impact on this team and this town. Our family and the entire franchise couldn't be more pleased with Shaquille to receive this well-deserved honor, further cementing his enduring legacy here in Orlando as we collectively look back at his tremendous accomplishments in a magic uniform. Um, it was announced while he was on uh, TNT before a game with the Milwaukee Bucks in San Antonio. Uh, in a pre-recorded video, Martins collect, congratulated O'Neal on his career and informed him about the honor. And then confetti came down from the top of the studio. Uh, during the segment, Shaquille O'Neal joked that he thought he was getting his number retired during a ring of ceremony uh, a few years ago. He said, quote, You know, what's funny, so a couple years ago, they did this ring of honor thing, 
And I thought I was getting my jersey retired, so I went there. I wanted to do the thing, so they take me to the top floor, and they have have like a wall. They did this thing, and then they did their press conference, and I was like, that's it? I thought I was getting my jersey retired. And then they said, no, no, we don't do that here. But now they've made this for their first first jersey retired for the Orlando Magic is Shaquille O'Neal's. Uh, he ended the segment saying, I would like to thank the DeVos family. I wish the old man was still alive. He meant a lot to me, to him and his family. Uh, O'Neal uh, entered the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame in 2015 and has already had his jersey retired, uh, number 34 and number 32, with the Lakers and the Miami Heat, respectively. And now this is his third jersey to retire at the Orlando Magic. A pretty impressive accomplishment. Uh, he does a great job on TNT with NBA basketball commentary. It's him and Charles Barkley and two other folks. And I don't watch basketball. I probably watch more TNT commentary between those guys than actual basketball. Not my thing. They're pretty funny. They're very, very funny out there. Uh, Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal really get at each other very, very hilariously. It's, 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 it's a quality program. Quality program. But anyways, Shaquille O'Neal. His jersey for the Orlando Magic retired in February. First time a jersey of the Orlando, Orlando Magic player has ever been retired. We now go to Nevada, where you probably have seen the footage, but it was so crazy, had to talk about it. In a courtroom, a uh, judge was having a probation hearing with a suspect who was being held for a variety of different cases. The suspect gave, uh, the, the defendant gave a pretty long speech about how he's trying to pull himself together and, you know, he's not a danger to society and just give himself a chance. Uh, the judge wasn't really impressed with the um, statement he made, referenced a bunch of different misdemeanors and violent acts he had done in the past, and denied him bail. In response, uh, the guy leapt over the table and then Superman up over the judge's table and tackled her behind her desk and knocked her to the floor like the guy got some vertical like it was he even the chief judge of the court said he supermaned himself over the bench and tackled to the ground guy was immediately pounced on by various bailiffs the judge's law kirk was punching and trying to pull him off and he was eventually arrested uh and, and taken back to the holding cell where more charges will be put on him uh not surprisingly uh, did not get bail. Did not get bail that during that. You know, that did not convince the judge to think otherwise. Uh, the judge hit her head, but was evaluated and then released. Uh, one of the officers in the courtroom had dislocated shoulder and a gash to the forehead. Uh, the law clerk who threw some punches had some bruised and cut knuckles. But uh, yeah, it was the craziest video I have seen in a courtroom. We've all seen courtroom fights and whatnot. This guy leapt, leapt over, over the judge's desk, cleared it, immediately cleared it, and then jumped on top of the person trying to, trying to grab her and whatnot. But, um, yeah, yeah, it is pretty, it was a pretty crazy, pretty crazy, pretty crazy stuff there. Holy moly. But, uh, yeah, I get, I get the impression that guy probably not going to get out of prison anytime soon. Um, 
usually frowned upon attacking judges in the courtroom. Usually not great. But fortunately, there were police there, and the law clerk threw some punches, and the judge was not seriously hurt. Uh, there's been a lot of judges threatened in the last year or two. Um, in fact, one, I believe in Oregon, was shot. Uh, two or three years ago, a ju someone showed up at a judge's house in Jersey uh, trying to kill the judge, but it, it killed the son instead. It was terrible, just terrible. So, um, obviously, security at courts are going to be tightened a bit, especially after that. And uh, hopefully, people don't get, uh, don't, don't think that, you know, jumping over a bench, punching a judge, you know. You might feel good for those two seconds, but boy, howdy, that's going to probably cost you the five to ten years. So, you know, maybe maybe don't do that. Or, like, here, here, here don't do the crime in the first place. But, you know, not everyone can do that. But anyways, crazy footage. Check it out. A courtroom brawl I have never, never, uh, never have seen before. Crazy stuff. In other basketball news, Mark Cuban has sold his majority owner stake in the Dallas Mavericks, one of the most successful uh, franchises of all time. And a surprise to Maverick employees, on Friday he informed them that he would distribute $35 million in bonuses to them. Uh, in an internal memo, uh, he told the employees, quote, as a thank you for all of your hard work making the Mavs an amazing organization, each of you receiving a bonus from myself and the Alderson and Dumont families. In total, we will be paying out $35 million plus million dollars in bonuses to you all. To calculate your bonus, we used a framework that looked into consideration of how long you've worked for the Mavs. You will receive your bonus in the very near future, according to the memo. And uh, Maverick spokesman Alan Rodkowski confirmed the details to the memo in uh, to CNN. Uh, last week, the NBA announced that the league's Board of Governors had approved the sale of the controlling interest of the Dallas Mavericks from Mark Cuban to the families of Dr. Miram Alderson and Sivan and Patrick du Dumont. Dumont. Uh, CNN reported that the Allison family, who are majority shareholders of the Las Vegas Sands and include Miriam Alderson's daughter and son-in-law Savan and Patrick Dumont had reached the deal to buy a majority stake in the NBA franchise. Terms of the deal were not disclosed, but previous reports indicated the transaction values the Maverick franchise in the range of $3.5 billion. Well, boy howdy, that's a whole lot of money. Um, at the time, the family said in a statement, quote, The Dallas Mavericks are one of the world's most successful and recognizable sports franchises. The team has won an NBA championship, has a long history of attracting international superstars, and has been supported by a dedication and passionate fan base and leadership grouped by Mark Cuban. Uh, in the November statement, they indicated that Mark Cuban will maintain a significant role within the NBA franchise. Quote, we look forward to partnering with Mark Cuban to build the t on the team's success and legacy in Dallas and beyond. Uh, Cuban will keep a partial ownership of the Mavericks franchise and remain in control of basketball operations, according to media reports at the time. So, Mark Cuban made several billion dollars, still going to work with the, uh, the for the basketball team, but now this other family is going to be the majority stakeholder. So... And they're giving $35 million of bonuses to um, uh, to employees. Not too shabby. Pretty nice. Of course, now if you made $3 billion, you know, $35 million is like, 
1% of that money. So, you know, it's compared to 3 billion, eh, not a lot, but also to the people you can bonuses to, probably a lot. So good, good for them. I'm glad that they're getting a little piece of the pie. Uh, 1% of the piece of the pie spread out amongst everyone else, depending on how long they work there. More than I would say others would do. And finally this week in a story that makes me feel super freaking old, uh, Black Hawks Connor Bedard makes NHL history with his all-star selection. How you ask, he is the youngest person ever to receive an all-star selection uh, from the Chicago Black Hooks, uh, Black, Black Hawks, uh, selected for the 2024 NHL All-Star Game on Thursday. Uh, he is 18, <laughs> 18 years old and 171 days. Uh, he's played just 38 games in his NHL career, but apparently he is a rookie sensation. I don't want to talk to you. I have no idea. Uh, becomes the youngest player in the league to be selected for the All-Star team. Uh, when the All-Star game is on February 3rd, he will be 18 years old in 201 days. And he'll be 58 days younger than the former record holder, Jeff Skinner, who was 18 years old and 259 days when he debuted as an all-star for the Carolina Hurricanes in 2011. Uh, he is from North Vancouver, and he was one of the most coveted rookies in league history heading into the 2023-2024 season. And unlike other rookies, he's actually lived up to the hype uh, early on after being selected by the Blackhooks with a number one pick in the 2023 draft. Uh, he has registered, registered 33 points in his first 37 games with 15 goals, 18 assists during that span. He leads the Chicago Blackhawks in both categories. He averages the most time on ice among Blackhawk forwards at 19 minutes and 30 seconds per night. Uh, he has claimed a pair of Rookie of the Month awards and has notched another career milestone with a historic all-star selection. Holy moly, I'm twice the age of this guy and he's playing in an all-star game in the NHL. That's crazy. But uh, given these stats, which I'm not, I don't know much about NHL stats, but that seems like a lot of scoring in, in 38 games. That seems like a lot going on there. So... Congratulations to uh, to this North Vancouverian native, uh, Mr. Connor Bennard, uh, with his selection um, to be the youngest person ever selected and ever to start an NHL All-Star game at 18 years old and 201 days when he plays on February 3rd. That is just crazy. Holy moly. That's so young. So young. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Uh, thank you for joining me this evening. Hope you're doing a having a delightful weekend. If you are in the northeastern part of the United States, like I am, you're probably getting a little bit of snow. I know I am. A little snowed in. So, hope this podcast and you enjoyed it. Gave you a little trivia, some more news. So stay warm, be safe out there, and uh, of course you should definitely also, if you're if you're in a podcast mood, check out Talking 2024. I'll put a link down there. New weekly episode from my friend Noah out of Philadelphia. 
And uh, if you want to follow me on the social medias, you know, you can do it on the Twitter, the Instagram, the Cameo, uh, the Counter Social, and Colt S. Taylor. Uh, subscribe to this podcast at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And of course, for all things me, visit ColtSebastianTaylor.com. Until next time, my friends, I am, of course, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.